All right, so I've, I've got to speak, I think, directly. Uh, recently, I, I, I've been sort of picking on individuals by name, and, and that didn't really seem to be very useful. I was picking on Tom Woods and Robert Murphy. Not, not because I don't like them. I'm picking on them because I like them, and I, I think that they are potentially, um, they certainly have the groups of people that we want to reach to convince that circumstances are dire and this is not just simply an intellectual exercise or you know something for us to sort of toss around you know while we smoke cigars and drink whiskey um not that i'm against that at all in fact i really miss being able to physically do that with people because of the circumstances so in my mind that's that's the civilization we want to get back to obviously um, but in in this episode, I, I was just watching one of the uh, Dave Smith um, episodes he has from about a week ago, where he's sort of addressing the the censorship thing and sort of recognizing that you know maybe some of the quote unquote conspiracy theorists had it right. It's like yeah, dude, you know, all we're asking is for you to listen to us, and I'm 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 hoping that I mean. I don't know exactly how much respect I have. I mean, I have I have my Twitter account, which is good, but, you know, I swear and make jokes and whatever. I mean, if anybody's going to respect what I have to say, since we're on sort of the same level, I figure a comedian probably would be a good one. So if I'm going to address anyone, if I had to pick anyone who's got a following that I want to convince, Dave Smith seems like a, a pretty good uh, example. And he happens to be a representative of the section of people the subset of people that I'm trying to get at who are who have followings but are not quite you know up to fully corporate media they're probably not corrupted they're probably not you know in the pocket of anybody uh, or at least at least not in the corporation's pockets I hope um, and essentially what I need to do is make the case first of all that we are a corporativism and I don't think that anybody realizes what it even means so I've been explaining what corporativism is, and I, and I don't think I'll get the opportunity to refer him to some other episode of mine where I ramble for 15 minutes and expect him to find the sections where it explains what corporativism is. So I'll have to regurgitate that a little bit here, summarize it quickly. And this is specifically to Dave Smith, but it could be to anybody who is in the um, liberty genre that is interested in saving our lives, um, and by that I mean American lives, but globally too. I mean, my, my whole idea about mass recall here is that I think this has to happen everywhere because every government is a corporativist totalitarianism, as far as I can tell now. Um, but in the context of America, speaking to Americans, and I want to stress that this, this corporativism thing has, has been true for a long time, and I've been talking about it for a long time. And I think maybe part of the problem is that when I, you know, five years ago when I first started saying, maybe it was four years ago, a little bit over four years ago, when I decided that really addressing the corporativist thing was important, a lot of people probably dismissed me because I was anti-corporation. And this is this problem with people on the right who seem to think that corporations are capitalist enterprises, and they're not. Um, uh, capitalism is a completely different thing, and if you inspect your own understanding of what a free market is, the idea of the government 
granting a charter to a corporation to grant them a partial or total or virtual monopoly over an economic sector is completely antithetical to the idea of free market capitalism. So at least on the, in the obvious sense, it should be clear that corporations are not capitalists, uh, that it's not a capitalist institution at all. Um, what I was trying to point out is that once you inspect what the ideology and the government form by that name, corporativism, actually is, and you realize it's not just that it's an old boy network or regulatory capture or any of the things that classical liberals normally associate with corruption of the free market, this is a completely different thing. This is actually the government is structured in such a way that the central government issues commands, directives, and policies, and they filter out into the, the corporate organs of the state, and the subsidy action for these corporations is not just simply to an old, you know, it's not just an old boy network or a bailout thing where you have corporate welfare. This is the way everybody presents this on the left and the right is that it's corporate welfare. And I mean, that, that's a, a, a reasonable thing to say, but it doesn't really get at the crux of what the government form actually is. It's not just simply that we don't want to let this company go out of business because our friends are in it. It's that this is actually a virtual department of the government, and they can't let it go out of business any more than they can let the DMV go out of business or the post office go out of business. Post office is a really good an, you know, analog for this because it's it's so obviously a corporativist arrangement. You've got this corporation, which is the post office, and, and it has employees that come directly from government and almost almost exclusively hires people from the government. And it's supposedly a private company in the sense that it provides a service and charges for it. And, and you know, ultimately the, the idea in people's heads is that it, it at least breaks even or maybe even makes some money. I mean, that's, it really is. A post office is exactly what a corporativist corporation is to the government. That relationship is exactly the same. So once you realize that these big corporations, the mega corporations, and, and I'm not, I'll clarify this again, I'm not necessarily talking about some company that happens to get up to the half a million dollar mark and, and decides that in order to protect their houses and whatever, or maybe lower numbers, that legally they were recommended to get a charter, not a charter, but you know, to, to become an LLC or something just because there is so much fraud in the legal sense of people suing people to try to, you know, whatever that <clears throat> tort law reform stuff is all about, which is a whole other subject. Um, it's not just that, and I'm not really including those people. I mean, the, the, to some extent, they are corporatists because they're corporations, and they are following whatever the government tells them to do, they have to do. And so so in that sense, they are corporations in the same corporativist relationship. But it's these really big ones, you know, the post office level or, or you know, Twitter or Facebook or Amazon or, you know, these power companies, banks, all of these things. I know everybody thinks that the banks are totally in control, and, and that is true just to, you know, there there are bankers that are in control. But the individual banks. There are some small banks that are not necessarily controlled by the big shot bankers, and they're corporativist institutions, and they're a problem, and we've got to get rid of them, but they're not necessarily, it's not necessarily your local bank that is actually controlling the government in any way, shape, or form. It's the government that's controlling that local bank. Might even be putting it out of business so that it can be, so that its assets can be purchased by a bigger bank that it has better control over. 
because why, you know, the government doesn't want to have to manage a whole bunch of different people. If it can reduce a cartel to a singular monopoly, that's preferable to the state and the corporatist arrangement. If it must maintain a cartel, like, say, in the automotive industries, um, you know, people, for whatever reason, it's not acceptable to just crunch all the corporations into one mega corporation that deals with automobiles. You know, people would just see that. They would notice that, that was, there was something wrong there. And so for now, while they're secretly being corporativists, they have to make it look like we have competition between these automobile manufacturers. But when you actually look at the policies that are handed by, down by government, the corporations don't really have much choice at all in what they do. They, don't, they, they can't hire whoever they want. They can't build whatever they want. They can't charge whatever they want. They can't have different policies. It's all uniform because these policies are handed down from government. So in corporativism, there is, it's to say that, that, a, that a corporation is a private company is a, is, a, is a distinction without a meaning. They're actually just the post office. And if you can just think of every single corporation as the post office, <clears throat> all of this becomes much, much clearer. So once you understand that, that, that there's a problem, and I know among libertarians there's, there's a faction that says, well, they're a private company, they should be able to do whatever they want. And of course, they're missing several points with, with respect to the actual operation of these things. Um, but I'm actually making a different argument. I'm saying that, no, they're not a private company at all. So, so we can avoid all these details about whether or not a, a private company should or should not be able to do whatever they want because they're simply not a private company. You know, should, should the post office be able to do what it wants, right? So that's what we're saying. When we're saying Facebook should be able to do whatever it wants, we're saying the post office should be able to do whatever it wants. But it doesn't want anything. It just does whatever the government tells it to do. So should everyone just do whatever the government tells them to do? Because that's really what we're saying if we try to draw that line and try to make this comparison that way. Um, so in a corporativism, it's actually, you know, I, I've explained this before ideologically, or, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a government form that's based on syndicalism and trade unionism and guild socialism. There's, capitalism has nothing at all to do with corporativism, which is why all the policies and everything that every company does has nothing to do with capitalism. They, most of the time, they don't even make money. I mean, there's, there's a handful of, of exceptions of corporations that are actually make money, but the ones that are still are operating and are, are big enough and are in this category that I'm talking about are generally being either directly subsidized and aren't making any money, or the government makes it illegal for anyone to compete with them so that they, they just they're the only supplier of that product or service and therefore they get to make some money. Um, you know, this is this is not capitalism, this is not the free market, there is no competition here, and corporations are behaving as if they were departments of the government and they're doing whatever the government tells them. So it's it's completely irrelevant to to have this conversation about whether they're private companies or not. They're simply just stop thinking about them as private companies because that's not helpful at all. They're really not. Corporations, like I've said before, are, have never been capitalist institutions anyway. Um, even at the small scale, it's not because you're you're asking for a charter from the government. Um, it's it's kind of like when you I, I also mentioned this guild socialist analog where you have things like the. Uh, the local um, 
chambers of commerce, and the local chambers of commerce decide whether or not a, a, you can open up a shop to sell bicycles or whatever, because, you know, they, they'll ask the bicycle owners, the bicycle shop owners in the town, you know, hey, do you mind if we let a new bicycle shop owner come in and compete directly with you and take your customers away? They're like, no, just kick them out. And they say, oh, well, it's not in the interest of our town to have a new bicycle shop. It's been universally agreed on by the two bicycle shop owners currently in the town. This is nothing to do with competition, nothing to do with capitalism. This is That's this direct guild socialist or trade unionist kind of ideology. Syndicalism is, is a more complicated arrangement that we can get into. I, I've kind of been avoiding explaining exactly what syndicalism is, um, but... What's important, and again, to, to address, I'm sorry if I, if I actually have Dave Smith listening to me here. I should continue my idea, my thought from the beginning. So it, you're seeing what's happening right now, or, or someone Dave Smith-like. You're seeing what's actually happening. And what I've been saying for, for the last year and a half, at least a year, is it's all, we've lost this argument. We've lost this battle. Government is not savable. It is now totally in control of everything all the way down to you can't leave your house without a muzzle on. That's how in control this totalitarian state is. And that's undeniable. It's just that people have been saying, oh, well, but it's because of this this cold. Well, come on. You know what I mean? Like, um, we're already realizing that, that, that that's a bullshit argument. It always has been. I mean... We so-called quote-unquote conspiracy theorists have been saying it for a long time, and there's a there is a broad range of people who are dissidents against this, you know, COVID nineteen SARS CoV two argument that go from mine, which is simply logically, I'm I'm addressing everything scientifically, conventional scientifically, and and accepting the arguments made and making my arguments in the context of the actual professional precedents set. So that way I can avoid almost all of the, the detailed arguments or anybody saying that I'm presenting information that's not agreed upon because I'm, I'm just simply agreeing with everything they say, finding faults within what they say, and saying, well, by your own rules, that's wrong. So why are you doing that? Now, it goes all the way out. There are some people that say there's no COVID at all, and there's some pretty good arguments for that because the, the disappearance of the flu completely, the fact that... There hasn't been an increase in deaths overall. I mean, in the in the first year of the release of a novel pathogen, we, when you experience the highest number of deaths, we have not seen a significant increase in overall deaths worldwide. So that's a pretty good argument against any kind of a pandemic of, of any kind that's resulting in any deaths. Now, it can be excused in the way I've... Not excused, but it can be explained by the fact that it's a bad cold, and it turns out that um, even if it was killing people, even if SARS-CoV-2 and the syndrome COVID-19 were killing people, and I'm just accepting that that's the case. I'm not generally making this argument that it doesn't exist, but I'm, but I'm defending their position generally because they have the right idea. I'd, I'd rather ally myself with the people that say there's no such thing as SARS-CoV-2 than the people that, that don't, because right now, the people that say that you know people are crazy and they're saying well yeah this SARS-CoV-2 is real and it's a big threat to everybody it's like no there's no evidence that it's a big threat to everybody so i would rather ally myself with the people that say it doesn't even freaking exist at this point 
But what I've been saying is that it makes sense if you look at the data that if there actually are people dying from SARS-CoV-2, the numbers that have been presented were, were inflated and they were cut back. I think they should be cut back a lot more. But they're already brought down below the normal flu level or around a normal flu level. Um, so and in, in many cases, for, for, the, for the target ranges that they're trying to vaccinate, quote-unquote, people with this experimental gene therapy, in the chi- you know, for children, the flu is more dangerous than actual data as bad as they can possibly make it, the flu is still worse for children than SARS-CoV-2. So there is no argument at all for anything. So every single policy that government has been doing, in my, in my mind, what I've been saying is that it's all about reducing human immunity and ultimately to kill people to, to, in, in a variety of ways. That's, that's the alarm bell I've been ringing. And on the other side of it is this political argument that we cannot rely on intervention by the government into, you know, these companies that are uh, censoring people because they're censoring people by the orders of the government. The censorship is the government intervention. So you can't go and ask the government to protect us from it. Government is, has made these decisions, is forcing the, these companies, these corporations to do this censorship that's it's not the they're not deciding to do this on the on their own and you've the, the reason i this came into my mind is because you actually mentioned this dave smith mentioned this in this show um that that normally you would imagine that a company would want to have as many possible clients as possible as many customers as possible and they're acting directly against their own best interests by driving away people and acting in this way and it's, it's not because they're making poor decisions in their corporate boardrooms. It's because they're being ordered by the government to do this. And then if, if it costs them money, they're being given money in this corporate welfare arrangement or just direct subsidy under the corporativist arrangement. Now, so the ultimate point here is that, that it's bad. It's, it's unrecoverably bad. There is no possibility of voting in a better government or taking somebody to court, or passing a new law that will make everything okay. We're past all of that. We can't vote ourselves out of a totalitarianism. It's, it's just only going to get worse, and the longer we take to stop this, the worse it will get. There is only one solution, and that is mass recall. And I, I realize that this is a novel idea, but that's actually why it's going to work. No, it's never been done in history before. That's why it's going to work. It's completely legal. This is what people need to understand. There's nothing against, there's no law against replacing all of the town officials in your town. You can remove all the town officials in your town. If you decide, if, if you know the town decides that they're corrupt officials, you remove them. It's as simple as that. It's peaceful. It's legal. And the trick here is for everybody to do it everywhere all at the same time. And it doesn't solve the federal government, central government, or even state government issue. But if the 16,000 towns in the United States all are in peaceful, open revolt and remove all the local officials, we've essentially liberated almost everybody already. And then it becomes somewhat of a technicality, and it's this danger involved, but it's the only solution. There is no other way to address this. Mass recall is the only way we can get ourselves out of this. And that's what I want you to, to think about and start considering, and I'll help ask me any questions you want.